We're so glad you're here tonight. Welcome to our midweek moment. God has brought you here for a purpose, and we are glad you're here. And tonight I want to begin with a question. How many of you know what this is? This is a fidget spinner. And a fidget spinner spins. That's all it does. And kids are obsessed with it. Kids that don't have it, they want it. And kids that already have one, they want another one. It's a phenomenon. It's going everywhere. In fact, I was recently at the store and I saw them at HEB. I saw them at Walmart. I even saw them at the convenience store. About two weeks ago, I was driving down Culebra Road and I noticed a vehicle right beside me. And me being the person wanting to be curious, wanting to understand what's going on, I looked and I noticed that he had a sign on the side of his truck. And so I inched up my vehicle. Now, I made sure not to bump the guy in front of me, but I inched up because I wanted to see. I wanted to see what he had on, his, on the side of his truck. And on the side of his truck, he had a sign that said, Fidget Spinners for Sale. <laughs> now, now, when someone sells fidget spinners out of the back of their truck you know that they've gone everywhere. And everyone has them, just about everyone. I've seen kids, teens, and even adults with fidget spinners. I see them at restaurants. I see them at uh, the store. I even see them when they go out for friends and they go out to enjoy each other. And I want to tell you that kids are obsessed with it. Now, fidget spinners are intended to be therapeutic devices. They were initially created to be therapeutic devices for kids. And the frank matter is that they help some kids. But what ends up happening is now kids have just decided that this is what they want. They want a fidget spinner. And it's just something to do. And what I realize is that fidget spinners help us understand a little bit about the culture we live in. They give us a diagnosis about the culture. And what I've realized is that in the culture, we are in a culture that has conditioned us to expect constant entertainment. Constant entertainment. We're constantly looking for something new, something novel, and something fun. Now, while most of us do not own a fidget spinner, all of us have a fidgety and restless nature. And in fact, what I want to suggest to you tonight is that our phone is our fidget spinner. We have an unconscious pattern in our life where we're constantly checking our phone. We're constantly wanting to know who's sending us a text message, who's calling us. We want to know what's happening on social media. And recently there was a company, a digital research company, and what they found They were looking at trends in mobile devices, and what they found is that people typically pick up their phones 85 times, they swipe, click, and tap on their phones 2,600 times, and they spend on average three hours a day on their phone. This is the modern-day fidget spinner for us. We are digitally dependent We are digitally dependent. We depend on these devices so much that we can't seem to bear our lives without them. We are so connected to our devices that we're disconnected from the people around us. On top of all that, we are busy. Busy with home life, school, work, community organizations, 
We are busy with the kids. We're busy at home. We have more chores to do. We have to go to the store and buy groceries. We're busy, busy, busy. And guess what? We're worn out. We're overwhelmed. We're overworked. And we're over all of it. Well, God's answer to our weariness is found in the Bible. This is the answer to the weariness we have in our heart. And I want to invite you to turn to Psalm 46 with me. That's going to be the main text of our time tonight. But before we get into the text tonight, I want to give you a little bit of a background on Psalm 46. Now, Psalm 46 was written in the time of King David. And it was written as a song. And it was also written for the director of music. And so what we learn is that because of that, because it was written for the director of music and it was a song, it was intended to be sung publicly in the king's court. And also when we look at Psalm 46, we also realize that it was intended to be a song of encouragement. And I want you to know tonight, I want you to hear tonight that God is about to bring a word of encouragement to your heart He wants to pour and deposit something into your life because he's here tonight. He wants you to know that. So Psalm 46 begins very familiar way. It says, God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. And so we see the rest of Psalm 46 and we notice that it's there to encourage us. It's there to uplift us. But the writers pause right about verse 10. And they make a special note. They help us realize that in verse 10, God is giving us a command. That God is speaking. And this is what it says. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. What God said back then is what he's still saying to us tonight. Be still and know that he is God. As I was preparing, I wanted to make sure I understood clearly what God was saying. So I looked in the original Greek, and here's what I learned. In the original Greek, the word be still, the statement be still, actually means stop and let go. Stop and let go. Can I tell you, sometimes in life, there are things we need to stop And there are things we need to let go. And God wants us to discover what those things are tonight. So our first step to be still and to know is to stop. We must learn how to stop on the outside. We need to learn to stop going, stop doing, stop running around. We are so busy. We have the tyranny of today. We're so busy. We're so occupied that we're worn out. Now, all of us have required responsibilities. We have work, we have family, we have God, and all of these things demand our time, our energy, and our focus. But I also want us to know, and I want us to think about, is that there are other distractions and other things in our life that are not necessary, and they seek to steal from us the time and energy and focus that we need for the things that really matter. The problem is some of us just don't know how to stop. We know in our head and in our heart we need to stop, but we just don't know how to do it. Well, 
I want you to know that part of the reason why we struggle so much is that there is a tension. There's a tension between what God commands and what the culture demands of us. And the culture tells us, busy is better. Busy is better. Now, Elon Musk is the epitome of busy is better. He is a billionaire businessman, and he's achieved wild success in the area of technology. He founded PayPal. He founded Tesla Motors and SpaceX, a private space exploration company. He is a technological genius, and many people, they consider him a modern-day Thomas Edison. He has many patents to his name, and he's done a significant job in moving us forward technologically. He's also notoriously known for his work ethic. In 2014, he was interviewed and was asked about his work habits, his schedule. And this is what he said, and I'm paraphrasing. For a while there, I was constantly doing 100-hour work weeks, and that wore me out. Now I average 80 to 90 weeks, 90 hours a week, and that's more manageable. And what I say to you and I is this. Wow, how is it possible that we have gotten so far away from God's command that we venerate, that we honor somebody who works 80 to 90 hours a week? He is the embodiment of the hustle hard mentality that we see in our culture. It has embedded itself in our culture. We believe that we have to hustle harder than the guy next to us. And that if we don't hustle each and every day, we're gonna be left out and we're gonna become obsolete. I want us to know that living like this is not sustainable, it's not healthy, and it's not God's plan. Because what makes us a fortune in business does not make us fruitful at home. Busy and fruitful are not the same thing. Busy is about man's purpose. Fruitful is about God's purpose. Busy causes people to praise us. And fruitful causes people to praise God. Busy is about fame and fortune. And fruitful is about faith and family. And some of us, we have sacrificed our faith and our family on the altar of success, believing that God has called us to be successful. And that couldn't be further from the truth. God wants us to be fruitful. And if we focus on being fruitful, he will help us be fruitful in every area of our life. So focus on fruitfulness, not on success. I want you to know that there is a cost to the busy is better mentality. And that's in our physical body. We get sick. We know that unrelenting work causes stress that degrades our body. Stress makes us sick. And in the medical community, stress is known as the silent killer. In fact, stress is one of the best predictive factors for mental health illness and for physical illness. According to the American Psychological Association, one in four people in any given year will have either a depressive or an anxiety disorder. 
That means 55 people each and every year, 55 million people each and every year will suffer in their mind. According to to the Centers for Disease Control, one in four people this year will die of heart disease. Heart disease is the number one cause of death in the United States today. Almost 600,000 people each and every year die of heart disease. And this is what it tells us. In other words, one in four people struggle in their mind and in their heart, both spiritually and physically, because they are unwilling to stop. They're unwilling to stop. God is wanting to save our life. He wants us to stop. So when he commands us to stop, he says, my son and daughter, I want you to live and have a fruitful life. So one practical way to stop is to pause on purpose. To consciously decide, I'm going to stop. I'm going to schedule a day off. I'm going to take a day off. And once you schedule it, what I want you to do is I want you to protect it. I want you to spend time with your family. I want you to connect with your kids. I want you to spend time reading God's word, listening to worship music. Maybe connect with a friend that you haven't seen in a long time. And if your phone is a distraction, I want you to do a digital detox. I want you to turn your device off. And I want you to set it aside for a day. Social media wasn't always around. There was a day when we didn't have social media. And guess what? You survived it. And if you survived it back then, having a day without social media, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. The second step to be still and know is to let go. To have stillness in our being, we have to let go on the inside. Burdens prevent us from being all that God intends for us to be. We are often burdened down by anxiety and worry and stress and frustration and insecurities. And that's not God's plan. He wants us to experience love and joy and peace and be all of that in our own heart. Now, while we know those commands in our mind and in our heart, we often struggle because we don't know how to let go. And part of the reason why I believe we struggle to let go is we've believed two lies. And the first lie is we believe we must carry our burdens. We believe that since we have burdens in our life, we must carry them. We know our kids can't carry them. We know our spouse can't carry them. We know our coworker can't carry them. So we assume, well, then I've got to carry them. That couldn't be further from the truth. The only person ever created to carry your burden and my burden is the Lord. He's the only one created to carry our burden. So let go to let God carry your burdens. Give him the opportunity to carry your burden tonight. 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us, cast or let go of all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God is inviting us to cast our cares on him. Now, I looked at the word cast and the word picture there is just imagine for a moment someone throwing a saddle on the back of a horse. Just like a horse was created to carry a saddle, God is created to carry our burdens. We weren't intended to carry our burdens. We weren't intended to have a saddle on our back either. 
God wants us to let go, to cast, to throw upon him our burdens and our worries and our concerns. Now, I got to tell you, in my own life, I sometimes struggle with anxiety and worry. It plagues my mind and my heart sometimes. And some of you may be like me. And what I've discovered is that I have to go to the Lord in prayer. And I say, Lord, you know my worry. You know my concern. You understand I'm frail. I can't carry these burdens. So I carry them to you. I cast them to you. You carry them. I can't carry them. You are stronger than I am. You promise that if I cast my cares on you, you will carry them because you care for me. I hope that's an encouragement to all of you. The second lie we often believe is that chaos is comfortable. We believe chaos is comfortable. Some of us grew up in a home where chaos was constant. In fact, chaos was the only thing that was constant in our life. There was constant arguing. There was constant shouting, constant drugs and alcohol, constant abuse and neglect, constant moving, people constantly coming in and out of our house. And now, chaos is comfortable. But the truth is, chaos was never comfortable. It was just predictable. And the thing about things that are predictable is we crave things that are predictable. Chaos was comfortable because it was predictable. The reason we crave predictability is it's a survival mechanism. It helps us tell, it tells our hearts and minds what's next. It gives predictability and consistency in our life. We weren't intended to crave chaos. We were created to crave the Lord. You and I, we were created to crave the Lord. Some of us struggle in this area. We struggle in this area because we have a hard time letting go of chaos. We're so comfortable with the anxiety and the worry. And God says, come to me. I want to be your peace. I'm consistent. You can rely on me. One of the other reasons why we struggle is chaos produces toxic fruit in our life. Worry, anxiety, arguments with our spouse, anger with our coworker. And we're afraid if we let, us, let those things go, we're going to be empty. And we hate feeling empty. But when we let go of those chaos things in our life, God ends up filling the void in our heart with his presence and his power. He's there to encourage us and to move us forward. So let go of chaos to hold on to Christ. Let go of chaos and hold on to Christ. If you're willing to let go of chaos, he will fill you with his presence and the fruit of his spirit, which is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. But we have to let go. We have to release. We have to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. The third and final step to be still and to know is to know that he is God. To know that he is God. Now, being still is not the same as being stuck. Being still is a layover at the airport. Being stuck 
is a flight delay or cancellation. In March of this year, my wife and I, we had the privilege of going on a trip to Israel. And we were excited. Some of the folks who went on that trip are here. We were anticipating going on this trip. People had saved up all year. They were excited. There was even one lady who said, I couldn't go the last time. I've waited three years to go on this trip. And she was excited. So we show up at the airport. We're excited. The game plan is to get on a flight, to fly to Israel, to connect with Pastor Jim and Denise, and then tour the Holy Land. So we get on the plane. We're excited. We're going to our first stop, which is Atlanta. We're supposed to go there and get our connecting flight and go to New York. And so we land, we're excited, we're talking. We're talking about what we're gonna do and we're making plans about getting lunch in the airport and getting overcharged. (laughs) And when we landed, what we found out is our flight had been delayed. In fact, it had been canceled. They said, there's no flight for you. There's only one flight to New York and it's canceled. What we found out, we checked the news. It was a weather-related cancellation. It just so happened that the day we traveled, New York had a 100-year snowstorm. And in some parts of New York, it snowed 31 inches in 24 hours. So there was no way we could get to New York. And so there were 38 people including my wife and I, that were stuck. What we expected to be a layover ended up being a permanent delay. We ended up losing one whole day. We had to stay the night in Atlanta. Fortunately, we found a hotel. They were very gracious to us. But there was a somber mood in the hearts and minds of everybody. We had planned and planned and planned. We were excited and we got, def- we got deflated because we expected to get there. So, we get to the airport the next day and they're rebooking our flights and our one group ends up becoming three groups because they couldn't get everyone on one flight. And so these three groups had to be rerouted through Europe to get to our destination. And at every stop, they had to rebook our flights And people were frustrated because we felt stuck at every stop. We felt stuck at every stop. And we were frustrated. We were frustrated because we had done everything right. But everything was going wrong. And some of you can identify with my story. You've been faithful to your spouse, you've been faithful to your family. You've been faithful to God. You go to work every day. You work hard. You show up. You come to church faithfully. You tithe. And yet you're stuck. Life is a series of delays and disappointments and frustrations. And you're confused. You have done everything right. And yet everything is going wrong. And what was supposed to be God's assignment now feels like confinement. You feel locked in and you don't know what to do. But I want to remind you and I of one important truth. 
even when everything is wrong, he still reigns. He still reigns. He still sits on the throne. He still is in control. He knows the disappointments and the detours and all the delays that you've experienced in your life. And he's here to tell you and I that there's enough love and enough grace and enough encouragement for you and I. There are moments when we feel like our life is through. And when we feel like our life is through, he's not through with us. He will get us through. And if you find your place, yourself in this place where you're having a hard time knowing if he's present, he's here and he's in your life. Sometimes we just need to trust him. Be willing to trust him with your fears and your family and your disappointments and your frustrations and trust them to him. Give them to him. Allow him to carry those burdens that you have. Pastor Jim says this, even when you don't understand his plan and you don't see his hand, you can trust his heart. He will get you to your destination because he loves you. And as we close, I want you to stand to your feet. And I'm gonna invite the prayer team and deacon and deaconess and staff to come forward. And if you happen to find yourself, maybe you are struggling with stopping. You are so busy. You don't have space or margin or capacity to do one more thing. You're overwhelmed, you're overworked. You feel weary and you feel burdened in your own heart. God's telling us to stop. Just stop. Rest in his presence. Pause on purpose. And for those of us who struggle with anxiety and worry in our own heart, God's saying, let it go. Let it go. Cast your burden on me. I can carry it. I can meet your need. My shoulders are strong enough to carry the thing that you can't carry anymore. And maybe you've done everything right. You've done everything right. You've obeyed the Lord. You've been faithful. And you've begun to doubt, God, where are you? He says, trust me. Be, be with me. Believe in me. So if you need to stop, let go, or be reassured and know that God is still on the throne, I want you to come forward. Don't delay, come forward. God is here tonight. He wants to meet you where you're at. He wants to minister his love and his peace. Don't delay. Just come forward. Take a step out into the aisle. He wants to minister to you. He wants to meet you where you're at. God wants us to know that we can be still and know that he is God. God.